Hi, I'm Harini. Hi, I'm Camille. And welcome back to the News Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to this episode of the News Podcast. Today I am so lucky to have with me Colette Zaka and we're going to be talking all about some really interesting things. Could you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I can. Um, hi everybody, my name is Colette Zaka. I am a seasoned actor, have been doing it, acting and dancing all my life. I don't really know what else to tell you. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so the first question I wanted to ask you was... Um, could you introduce us to a, a black woman who has been an inspiration to you, either in your day to day or someone in the public's figure? Major, there are lots. But the one that really changed my life was Maya Angelou. I grew up with Maya. I was introduced to Maya really young. Well, when she became big, when she when her material started to come out. So the first book, I Know Where the Cage Bird Sings. Um, and it actually was an ex-boyfriend's mother who I was really close to that introduced me. I think she just, we, you know, I'm still friends with the family. They are my family. Um, and it's, you know, 40 years on, they are I am still in their lives. I am now in the in the third generation with the with the great kids. So I'm great Auntie Colette and, and all of that stuff. But their great grandmother, the kids' great grandmother, um, she was listening to Radio 4 one day. And I'm not a keen listener of Radio 4, and I certainly wasn't <laughs> listening to it back then. Um, and she just said, I think, I, I think there's I think there's a lady that you need to listen to. You need to maybe read the books. Now, I'm dyslexic. So reading books for me at that point, even though I'm an actress, yes, I know, um, it, it was it was difficult. And you, you had to really, it had to be something really good uh, to get me to, to read it. Mainly mushy stuff at the time. So she had got me into reading. She had got me reading authors that she had on her shelf. And you probably have never even heard of them. But the she set me off on a book called uh, by an author named Victoria Holt. And they were all smushy love stories in far off places. But they were historically really factual. And I think that the marry of the two was fascinating for me. And so it was Sally Harding, her name was. She's sadly passed away now. Um, and she bought me the book, I Know Why the Cage, Cage Bird Sings. And I read that book. And for the first time in my life, they could be telling my story. Uh, somebody, it was clear the world wanted to hear my story, but through Maya, a black girl's story. And I, it opened up my mind and the possibilities for what was possible for me, what could be, if I just stuck with it. So Maya is my number one go-to, and I actually got the chance to meet her. Yeah, I got the chance to meet her. I got the chance just to say hi and thank you um, at the Barbican when uh, Stephen Lawrence's 
20th anniversary of his death, um, his his mother, uh, Maya, came over as an uh, invited by his mother to speak. And it was, even in, in person, she was even more formidable and more beautiful and more powerful and powerful and gentle at the same time, um, which is often not associated with black women. If we lose our temper, we're an angry black woman. If we have an opinion, we're an uppity black person, black woman, you know, uh, bad enough being sometimes not bad enough. I don't mean that I'm happy being who I am. I couldn't think of being anybody else. Um, but there is a fact that I often have to, in the past, not now, I've got to a certain age where I won't um, apologize for my culture because I, I, as I was growing up, and it happened to me a few years previously, where um, a person who was supposed to be my friend, we were having conversations and talking about things. And one time it just so happened that I'd been in a shop and I was walking around the shop and I could feel the security guard following me everywhere I went. And I just mentioned it to that friend and said, oh, security guard was following me around. Oh, she said, I get that too. And I said, every time. Oh, well, no, not, not every time. I said, but I get it every time. I get followed. I, they, the heads go up and they follow me around the shop. Does that happen to you? Oh, yes, well, I've had some. I said, no, you're not answering the question. So I let it go that time because I just thought, I didn't know if I wanted to try an educator. I wasn't sure whether she wanted to be educated because she seemed so determined to tell me that that wasn't a thing. So I go, okay. It happened a number of times. And it made me go back, 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 back. And then the, the crux of it, the finish of it was uh, I didn't hear from her at all. I heard from a lot of people when Joe when situation with George Floyd happened. I heard from a lot of people saying, we're really sorry, we didn't realise, da-da-da-da-da-da. I tend to think that's a lot of lip service from a lot of people. They kind of needed to be... She never called me. But then towards the middle of it, I had a phone call from her, and it was like, um, she, hi, how are you? And I was like, mm, I don't know why you're calling me, because I haven't heard from you all during lockdown. So what is this? Oh, she suddenly launched into, so what do you think about George Floyd? So that was the wrong time for me <laughs> because I was too, too raw. And I just said, try to be gentle, but straight to the point. And I said, you know what I think about George Floyd. We've had numerous conversations where I have showed you an example of something not so sim not similar, but not dissimilar and uh and i said uh so so she started screaming at me over there it says yeah yeah down the phone she was somewhere in wales and i thought you phoned me from wales to scream at me about george floyd and so i said look we're gonna have to agree to disagree i am i am a different culture i am english there is no doubt about that. 
England is all I've lived in. It's, well, I've lived everywhere, but it's my home. And I said, but I am always going to be West Indian origins and culture as well as my English culture. And I said, so um, sometimes I will say things differently to you. Yes, yes, she shouts down the phone. You can be rude, rude. And I was like, I was so hurt that I just said, okay, I don't, I, I don't think we need to talk anymore. I think we're done. Yes, yes. And she put the phone down on me. And yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it's all right. Because my girl, for the past something like three years, has constantly tried to call me, contact me, saying she's sorry. But I'm sorry, if you are going to tell me what it's like to be black and you have no idea, then I don't need you in my life. I'm not going to have you as a friend and always be apologising for my blackness. I don't feel I ever, I don't have anything to apologise for. So, yeah. Mm. And meeting Maya was was one of the things that helped me be able to do that. And her books and just her life in general. And she could have gone so many other ways. It was such a traumatic start to her life. Um, she was raped by a neighbor at five years old and then thought that she, uh, because the neighbor was taken the police let him go later, and then I think a few hours later, he was found dead, kicked to death. And so she thought her words, saying who had hurt her, uh, had hurt that man. So she didn't speak for about three years, three or four years at all. She only spoke to her brother. So she could have gone, you know, when they, when they classify us and put us into boxes and we are this, we are that, um, they, have, they don't know what we are and they're not prepared to listen and that's how it felt with that that particular so-called friend yeah it's so beautiful with my actually with the book and how like you felt that you were like related to it and everything and it's it's so terrible that you'd feel that in the UK or anywhere that you would have to apologize for your blackness and I agree with you that there's that sounds so she was shouting at you down the phone yeah yeah <laughs> I was like whoa Okay, rude, rude. I said, ooh. So, so every time she contacts me, because I just had my birthday two days ago, and she, there's a birthday card in the post from her. And I, and she didn't, she doesn't even remember my name, my surname. Yeah, just, just Colette, because she couldn't remember my surname. And I was like, yeah. And I was thinking, who would send me a card just with Colette on? And da, da, da. And when I opened it, I just went, we don't yeah. need to talk. We, you're not my friend, and I'll never, I'll never consider you a friend again. But I think that often people, I find with me that people have a, because I'm full fright, I've always kind of had a bit of an attitude, and it's not really an attitude. When you're younger and you're so constantly fighting, or you feel like you come, you come out of, you come out of the ring, so to speak. It's a terrible state to to live in, all the time. That when you go outside, you clench your fists. If somebody's coming near you, you're gonna be a, ready to attack. 
And my younger life was like that. You know, despite what I did and, and everything else, and my younger life was like that. To go back to what you mentioned earlier about having heard um, Maya Angelou speak in person at something organised by Stephen Lawrence's mother, I was wondering if, first of all, for anyone listening outside of the UK, if you could sort of outline the Stephen Lawrence case, just for people who, who aren't from the UK and therefore who might not necessarily know about it. And then second of all, my question is, how do you think that cases like, for example, Stephen Lawrence and Floyd, how do they affect the general black population of a country sort of in their in their psychology? Okay. All right. Well, let's deal with the first question. Um, Stephen Lawrence, for, for the listeners who don't know the story, it's over 20 years ago. He was walking home with a friend of his and... Um, waiting at a bus stop to go home. He was a talented young man. He had a life to live. He was in college. He was going places. And a group of young men, white young men, decided that they would take his life. And it's as simple as that. They started to shout abuse at these two young black men that were waiting for a bus and then proceeded to chase them one of them got away and um, Stephen Lawrence didn't get away. He was stabbed. I don't, I'm not really sure about how many times he was stabbed, but one of those stabs was fatal and he died on his own at a bus stop. Um, managed to get to a bus stop, another bus stop, and he died. Um, and what was bitterly painful if it can be more painful than that, was the extent that the Metropolitan Police Force didn't do their job. And they didn't do their job simply because the young man was black. So because he was black and maybe he was out past a certain time, but he was old enough to be out past a certain time. They they just assumed he was doing, he must have been doing something because who would come along and beat up because that's not what the British people do. It took the courage of his mother and his family to fight and fight and fight before any kind it looked like any kind of justice was being done. Uh, I think the police didn't anticipate the outcry from everybody. It was just a, an atomic explosion that went across Britain and um, black people were just, this got to be it. It's happened in different ways uh, so many times before. But I think at that point, um, we believed we deserved more. We believed that we could fight for more, that it was our right. It, we, we weren't just visiting, doing some work for the British and then we're gonna go home like they wanted us to do when our parents migrated here, when they, after they'd come to our countries and invited us because we were British subjects over to this country to rebuild their country. Then they wanted us to rebuild it and they wanted us to go back home so that the white people could live in their, their country. 
No. There never really was real justice for that young man. Somebody went uh, to prison, but not everybody who was responsible went to prison. Um, it was a travesty of justice, but the biggest travesty of justice was not those lunatic men who thought that they could take a black man's life just because he was black. It was the police. That was the most upsetting thing, was the lies and deceit that continually happened for even up till this day. So I think it kind of was our, our George Floyd there were other things that were just as disgusting. There were, uh, I remember when I was in my teens, there was a party at Deptford and whoever decided, group of kids having a party, the house was full, it was a black party, full of music, full of kids. Somebody's tw 21st birthday, I think it was. Somebody else, decided to pour petrol through the letterbox. And I, I, I'm not sure, I don't want anybody to jump and say, it wasn't that, it was more. But I think it was around six young children, young people that died in that fire and a couple of others that were maimed in that fire. They pulled it through the front, front door, letterbox. It was the whole... And nothing, <laughs> nothing was ever done. So as to how it affects, how it affects us, I think it's similar to how things affect black people in, or people of color. I won't just say it's black people, people of color, they're all, we're all, we can be seen from a distance. We can be seen that we are not, them you know it, people will walk change direction if they can see from a from a distance they can see a black oh it's night black person oh let me just <laughs> and if you think that's an exaggeration it's not it's not an exaggeration um and that's the saddest thing from all of those things from Stephen from the Deptford fires from going back and going back and going back and I consider myself English. I am English. That's where I, this is where I was born. This is my country. This is where I claim my passport is British. I, I, I didn't sign any declaration to be British. I was British. Um, I don't like the word British, actually, because it's, for me, it's mixed in colonialism and ownership. So I would rather say I am English. That's what I am. I am English because I'm not Scottish. I'm not Welsh. I'm not. I'm English. But we, when when you when you're always walking with your fists clenched, and I say, I still do that now. I go if I go out at night, I have to put on a, an extra armor tough okay i'm going out it's going to be a good night you know i still want to have my good night but i must be aware of where i am and how to walk and to be safe i know as women we do that anyway we should do that anyway you know we walk with keys if it's late at night keys just in case we make sure you're not wearing silly shoes although some of them don't listen so that if 
need be, we can run or try. Um, but in daylight, imagine that in daylight that you are, you're always got your armor on, you're all, you know, you can't take it off because someone will, if you say a thing in a way that a, a Caucasian person doesn't like it, they immediately think they're okay to put you in your place. Go back in your place. Who said I had a place? It was the white people and they did that. They obliterated us from history in so many places. I did not know until past 20 years that we were even in the Second World War. I had no idea. Mm. I wasn't taught that. It was just the white saviour came riding in on his whatever plane, tanks, whatever, to save. And I should be lucky, grateful because they saved me. If it forgot to mention all the, the black soldiers and black pilot, well, never a pilot. We were never allowed to to fly the plane. Um, not that I know, but there probably are some people that did, but there'll be the exception to the rule. We were the gunners, the worst place to be, because they needed to take the gunners out first to disable the plane. So... That's my saddest thing, that as the age that I am now, and then all those years back when I was in my teens, I thought we'd moved on. I thought that it was different. I believed they were living, the youngsters are living their best lives, the best thing that could happen to them. They could just be, but they're not. And as women, we're not. When I remember stories that you've told me about school, that your school, I didn't, when I was younger, I was not afraid to go to school. I certainly, none of the boys would even dare to touch us. The idea that they think that they can. I've spoken to a lot of my friends and they're all saying the same thing. They say, this is not our world now. And my reply to them is, it is, because this is where we're at. Mm. It's not the world I grew up in. Yes, you got to stop looking for the world that you grew up in. Um, and I must say, we had it the best, I feel. For all this technology, a lot is lost. A lot is lost. Yeah, we had to wait for dial-up when, when, <laughs> when computers... And you would sit for hours. Is, is it connected yet? And then this silly noise. And you'll be waiting for it to go boop, 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 and connect. Um, telephone boxes. Getting your two P's, collecting your two P's to go and to go and phone your boyfriend in the telephone box and wait in the queue. And you would tell people the telephone number of the box, you know. And they say, call me at this time in the box. And you were praying that nobody was in the box. <laughs> <laughs> nobody would be in the box. And if they were, you were like, hurry up, hurry up and wait for a call. <laughs> like it was your own. And they all sound like silly things, but I could play. I played outside for hours in the woods. I'm not saying it was completely safe, but it wasn't. 
it, our parents didn't worry about us in that way. And that that sort of sums up my, you know, the whole thing of Stephen Lawrence, the Deptford fire, all the other things that have happened, the six that went to prison, they weren't even there. They had proof that they, they've only just yeah. come out a couple of years back. No, why? Why? It's not, it just doesn't make sense, but for the fact that it seems to, and, and we still keep bouncing back. We bounce back and we can be so kind and so giving, even when, even when. And I think that's the fear of those people that believe in those things, that's the fear. Is they know we always bounce back, that we know we always get stronger. But why why do we have to run around getting stronger and stronger? Why? Why can't we just be? Why can't I just be a black woman minding my own business without having to think about all these other things? And I'm always reminded, and you must also remember that we live in London. London is the bubble. Yeah. You go outside of London and you get the same mentality that you get in the South. I I would grew up in Sheffield, but I can go back to Sheffield. And the, the irony of that is my uncle, who's he's he's visited places, he's been abroad and but he's not traveled as much as I've done, and he's always lived in Sheffield. I have to pull him up because he is so conditioned to being with his what you know, most of his friends are white because that's they were the only people at school when we were growing up and he's kept his school friends and everything and he'll say racist things and I, because he's got no idea. He's got absolute, and I'd be like, whoa, you do realise that that's a racist thing that you, and I've had to stop standing in the middle of the street and go, stop it. You have to stop that. Don't you dare do that. Do you not understand that actually you're talking about yourself. When you make that kind of comment, the people who originally made that comment are talking about us. He's getting there. He doesn't fully understand. He really doesn't fully understand. And he's not a stupid man. But that's the world he lives in. That cocoon of that and they've always been his friends, so to speak. Um, yeah. I think that Stephen Lawrence, for me, sort of made us go, we'll fight. And we come out fighting all the time. You know, the young lady that was strip searched. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> insane community i think that was labeled the child q case yeah yeah Gosh. and it's in my community it's hackney so i went on the marches to you know that that young lady she might have been a little bit bullshy and a bit mouthy but she did her work and she was full of confidence yeah until that point now she has to have uh she has to have counseling and talking and She's lost everything that she was. 
ridiculous. Also, because if it were the policemen who, or the like, the police of any gender who did that, if someone tried to strip search them, they would have as many things to say. They wouldn't. They wouldn't take it, you know, and just be like, "Well, yeah, understandable. Why not? On a whim, strip me down naked in my classroom. Like, yeah, fine. Anyone would react like that." But on top of that, she was having her period. I know. I know. And they had her remove her tampon so they could check. And she had to put it back in again. Unclean. Unbelievable. So I'd say to people, if you, for a split second, because I know what happens, I know I've heard it from, from my friends, they go, they see something on the news and they believe it. They read something in the paper and they believe it. I don't know how they're still believing whatever's in the newspaper because we know for a fact now that they feed us fake news because it suits them. They're paid enormous amounts of money to advertise shit suits them and everybody goes along with it. When I was younger, we used to believe what was in the newspaper because those reporters seem to have a lot more integrity than the the reporters of today. The reporters of today are doing this sensationalism that's nonsense. But people still read the crap, you know, maybe the less educated who read The Sun and those kind of papers and believe it Mm. because that's all they know to do. And they don't want to think out of the box. It suits them to believe that. So prime example is when I say to, when I've said to be in a company of strangers, what do you do, Claire? I remember when I was in university, I'm doing a degree. Oh, oh, are you? What in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and now if I have a conversation with some strangers and I go, yeah, I've got a, a master, you know, I've got a BA and I've got a master's. The the look yeah. that you, you can't do, you can't do because you're a black woman. So you, you, you can't, what, really? Oh my God, you're educated. You're more educated than me, maybe. Um, yeah, I've had partners who have done the same because... As long, as long as somebody's nice to me, they can be my partner if they're nice and we get along. But I, I have noticed and I've had to question myself when I have been, um, I had one partner who continually just said that I, I didn't have two degrees. Yeah, yeah. Kept on saying you don't have two degrees, you just have one. I say, sorry, I've got two degrees, I've got two certificates. Oh, no, but a, but a master's takes four years. I said, I don't know what master's you're thinking about. But actually, a master's takes just one full, full year rather than an academic year. No, no, it takes... And it, uh, what and difference like, what, does that make? What, what's I, the link? Yeah, I, I think... What is was, the link? I think his idea was to to say to me, it was his way of trying to squash me, trying to squash me, put me back in my place, put me back in my box. He would often make racist comments. And then he'd laugh and say, um, 
Yeah, but you know, I don't mean it. Because when I would say, are you real right now? Because you are standing in front of a black woman who's supposed to be your partner and you're making silly racist comments. Oh, you know, I don't, I, 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 I don't mean it. I'm only joking. No, you can't joke about that in front of me. That doesn't work doesn't work and there are lots of there are many people who are enticed by the exotic I'm not really sure what that word means but I seem to be the exotics for some people and they want to try they want to try I can remember going out with a Texan I didn't think much about it really until he said um Damn, when I speak, when I when I tell my mama and my papa that I'm seeing a black girl, because we just had a photograph taken, they're going to do their nut. Okay, I think Kai needs to be out of this situation. Yep. That's what... That's quite scary as well. I mean, not that must make you feel so used, first of all. Yeah. Because, like, you're not a trophy... And no. second of all, like, why would you want? Why would you want to know that someone's parents would like flip? What does that mean? I don't know. Well, I'm going out with you just so I can piss off my parents because that's how it. Yeah, that's how it comes was, across. Absolutely, but and like, it would just make you feel unsafe ever meeting their parents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you shouldn't. If you do, you're being silly. Yeah. Gosh. If you do, you're being silly. So, yeah, I, th- I think I've answered your question. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Well, you mentioned as well about comparing when you were young to when, like, now that my generation, um, which I think leads quite nicely onto the next question, is that do you have any, either any advice, or, I mean, advice is very, very loaded, any kind of message that you'd like to give to any young Black women listening? Don't really know. I think you know what their world feels so much different from mine. But if I had a message, the mess. One thing that I've learned is don't apologize for being black. Don't try and assimilate yourself into being white because you'll constantly be frustrated when they try to, or, or or you know, or not even just white, just the others when they try to make you like them and try to teach you for you to behave like them. Because we, we're passionate, not all of us, but we have a fieriness in it. You know, I'm West Indian and they have a, a fieriness, you know, like the Mexicans and the Spanish, they have a fieriness in them when they're, and it doesn't mean that you're rude. It doesn't mean that that what you're doing is wrong just always take take a step back listen to what they're saying don't get angry because you'll just be shoved into another box angry black woman chip on her shoulder all these kind of things but I would say if you see something happening to somebody else maybe you're in the in the lucky group maybe you're a bit like more like us kind of thing stick up for your sisters Stick up for your brothers, stand by them, don't stand apart just because you want to be be in the club. It's not worth being in the club if you lose a bit of your soul. Um, Just always 
check yourself. You know, you, you know your moral grounding. You know what you believe in. And if something sticks in your throat, it means you don't believe in it. And it means it's against the grain and you should stand up. Stand up. Don't sit down. Don't go to the corner. Don't turn your head. Be brave enough to be who you are because it will come back to haunt you in the future. Yeah. Just don't apologize for being black. It's not a condition or an illness. It is your soul and it makes you who you are. That's beautiful. That's, that's giving me chills. <laughs> that's beautiful. Absolutely. The other thing that we wanted to ask sort of on, on the back of that is to people who are not um, black women. So either on the gender side of things or racially, is there anything that we, if it's for me and anyone else can do to actually be supportive, to be helpful in the conversation or alternatively anything that you kind of wish people would stop doing to do with the conversation? Yeah, there's a couple of things I wish people would stop doing. Black people have different hair. Don't touch it. Got no right to put your hand on people's hair. Don't think it. you can come into, into their space and touch their hair. What? I'm not, I'm not a doll. I'm not your doll that you can just touch my hair. Don't. Don't touch it. You might ask and I tell you maybe yes, or I'll tell you maybe no, but don't just go into someone's space and touch their hair or assume. Don't assume. Don't assume, don't do the surprise thing. Like I can't be educated because I'm black and because I come from a, a, a single parent family. I didn't, but I was with my grandmother. It was a whole different thing. But that don't put us in a box, ask the questions, ask us how we want to be addressed. Don't tell us what we, how we want to be addressed. Ask us because we're the only person who, who knows? And for females in particular, whatever your work is, when you go into the workspace and you look, and you look around the room, if, the, if everybody's the same colour as you, you need to ask yourself what kind of company you're working for. And ask yourself, where are the black girls? Where are the people of colour? Why? why we're not stupid you know this we're here when we're not there because they're not letting us in and if you want to help open the doors let us in just with the question where are black girls once you put it in your head you'll be looking more yeah 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 and if you go to a party even and there's one black girl be more gentle. I, I can't even put the words to it. I mean, I will go places with intelligent people and it's just me. And if you are with somebody and who's a person of colour and you and that person go and she's the only person of colour in the room, be gentle. Because it's although we live in England and it happens a lot, it doesn't make it comfortable. So let her know that you know that anytime she wants to go, we can go. We, if you're feeling uncomfortable at any point, we can go. You know, because be observant, be be kind. Ask the question: Where are the black girls? Where are the people of color? Where are they? 
because we know there's loads of them out there. Why are they not here? Why are they? What kind of company are you working for? Why are they not here? Why? We have a right. We have. There's there's always going to be loads of people that applying for the same kinds of jobs, and there will be those people of color. And and if there is only one, then you got to go. Ooh, token. Why is? And it doesn't mean that she's not deserving of that point of that place. But it means maybe the company is because they're ticking off the criteria. And that for me is worrying. Um, I do a lot of role play for um, for companies to try and introduce them to to get them to see how language can be conditioned racism. You know, you people, oh, your people. What are my people? What does that mean? Be mindful. Ask the question. Where's that come from? People of colour, where are they? Check. Not just girls, men, women, you know. Where are they? And the same for sexuality. Where are they? Why aren't they here? Why are, you know, why? Why can't they be? Why shouldn't they be? Why? We have a right. Everybody has a right. Except we are, as black as a black woman, I don't feel I have many rights. And I'm just turned 61 and I don't feel like I have any rights. And I, God damn it, I am here because I've worked hard. I look back now, or shall I say forward, and I look forward and I look at Bridgerton and I look at the shows that are, you know, I couldn't, I was never allowed. I was actually told, believe it or not, you can't. I, I phoned I phoned an agent. I said, oh, they're doing a period piece. Can you see if there's, you know, part for it? For, and that person told me, oh, no, there were no black people back in the day then. Okay. So there were none of us. We weren't there. That was, I was, that was what I was told by an agent. No, I'm not going to. No, because there were no black people then. Black people came to England with the Romans and built those Roman walls and those Roman world, uh, roads that now lead us to most of the places. We have been in, here in a lifetime. We were, we were here before that, trading when we were free before they decided to put us into slavery. So just ask the question. And if you think somebody, since if you think somebody's a little bit uncomfortable, and if you're not sure about how to address, ask them. We're the only people who know how we want to be addressed. Not anybody else. Makes sense. Just ask. You know, if you're, if you're looking at a plate of food, you go, and you're not sure what it is. Well, what is it? Oh, okay. All right. That's yay. And you try it and you like it. But if you ask in the right way, we'll be responsive and we'll be like, so please, somebody has asked us. You know, like, oh, my God, they are. Oh, I really like that person. They asked the right questions and they, I felt seen. We want to be seen. There's a key word. See me. You know, what is it? It's avatar. I see you. I feel you. See us. Yeah. 
No, I mean, that's it's not much to ask. It's not much to ask to just be seen. And about the history as well for um for anyone listening as well, there's actually a interesting documentary that's on the BBC iPlayer by David Olasoga. He's a black historian about black British history. And I think the first episode actually starts with the Romans. And there's actually just the period of history that you were talking about and how it's just been completely written out of, of how we teach British history. Um, for anyone who wants to learn up <laughs> to educate themselves <laughs> a little bit on that. Thank you so much for coming on, Colette. We've only got one minute left, so I'm going to have to to wrap it up. But thank you so much for everything you said. It's been inspiring. It's been bone chilling in places, honestly. Um, and I think that it's going to be incredibly helpful to a lot of people. And it's certainly been helpful for me to, to learn, learn your perspective on things. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope it's been okay talking about them because I know it's very heavy. No, it's been lovely. No, you know, it's always good to, to, yeah. to let it go and to release it and just chat, chat. And yeah, and the more chatting you do, the less, you know, you can just say it. You can just, yeah. you know, you don't worry about those things. But thank you for asking me thank you so much for listening this week if you enjoyed this episode or you would like to appear on one we would absolutely love to hear from you you can email us at admin at newslondon.co.uk or more likely you can dm us on our instagram at news underscore ldn and all of these episodes are available to listen to on every single streaming platform out there or can be found along with our blog our gallery and our hype page on www.newslondon.co.uk have a good week